Well, hey, I'm Brad, and we are in our last week of relationship goals. So if you haven't been with us for a while, um, welcome back. You're here for the end. Uh, but it's kind of like getting in for the like climax of the movie. I think tonight is going to be, at least I've been praying and hoping tonight would be uh, really powerful and impactful for all of us in here tonight. Um, and a special welcome to a few parents we got in the room. Glad you guys came tonight. Um, and then I, oh, we got some claps for parents. I like that. That's real good. Um, and then for anybody new, we're so glad you guys are here, man. We want everybody who walks through these doors to feel welcome, to feel loved, feel accepted, um, because all those things are true, uh, because that's how God feels about you. So, uh, let's recap just a little bit where we've been before we jump into tonight so it makes a little bit more sense. So we started this whole thing trying to define what a relationship is in the first place, right? And we said a relationship is something God created to help you know him and to help you serve him. That is the point of a relationship. That is the reason it exists. It is not to make you happy. It is not to provide for your needs. It is not for anything other than to know God and to serve God. Now, can it make you happy? Sure, yeah. Good relationships should make you happy. Um, Are there good things in a relationship? Sure, sure, there's good things in it. But that's not the point of them. Does that make sense? Okay, so that was was week one. Um, We also talked about it not being selfish. The point of a relationship is to not be selfish. It's not about you. Um, And then we talked about uh, that idea of not being selfish, feeding into your role as a guy or a girl in a relationship. And we walked through some passages of scripture in the Bible that talked about what our roles are. Um, The man's role is to love sacrificially, being willing to give up everything for the woman that he loves. And then a woman's role is to respect and trust the man that they love. And then both of them are meant to submit to one another and do these things for one another because they love Jesus. That's where it comes from. And that's kind of the key to all that work, and we're going to get into more of that tonight. Now, last week, we went into this thing called boundaries, guarding your heart, guarding your, your relationship and yourself in order to help you stay focused on what God created the relationships for and on your role in it. And so we talked about this idea of a relationship kind of being a part of your journey and you being in a car, heading down the road towards wherever God's leading you in life, Right? And you're going to get to a section in the road, relationship drive, right? You get on it, and there's some some guardrails, some boundaries you need to have. Otherwise, you're going to go off the road, you're going to wreck, you're going to hurt somebody or hurt yourself, and the relationship just won't work. And so boundaries are there to help you to stay focused on what a relationship's meant to be and what it's supposed to do. Uh, and ultimately stay focused on God. So we need to put up boundaries now in our life to help us whenever we get into a relationship so that we can have the best relationship possible, one that isn't selfish and that is all about the kind of love that we find in Jesus. So that was last week. Now we're caught up. We're up to speed. So now that we've covered all those things and these aspects of relationships, let's talk about some expectations going forward. Now everybody's got expectations, Um, about a lot of things, but specifically when we're talking about relationships, you've got an expectation going into it. You have an expectation for the boyfriend or the girlfriend going into it. You have an expectation for yourself, and they have an expectation for you. Would you agree with that? Like right now, when I say boyfriend or girlfriend, do you think what 
their responsibilities are, what they should do, what, what they need to do to be a good boyfriend or girlfriend. Or specifically, if it's you in the relationship, you're thinking what they need to do for you or what they should be doing for you. Would you, would you say yes to that? You've thought of a few of those things? Yes. You can answer out loud. Thank you. One person said yes. Yes. Okay, good, good. I'm glad you're listening. That's great. Um, so yeah, we all have expectations when we're going into a relationship. And so one thing that I wanted to just kind of talk about before we get into the rest of it tonight is a lot of us have the expectation that we're going to get married. How many of you would say, not, not, you don't have to put your hand up, just think to yourself, how many of you are thinking, yeah, that's me, I'm, I'm going to get married, that's just, I'm expecting that to happen, that's what's going to be the case. Probably most everybody is thinking that. Did you know that getting married is not like a promise? God didn't say, thou shalt get married and we'll have many children's. God didn't say that. He never promised you a husband or a wife, he never promised you kids, like that's just not a promise. Could it happen? Absolutely. But it isn't a promise. Let me read you this from 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Um, and there's many verses that speak to this. I'm just going to read two of them really quick. It says, this is the Apostle Paul, okay? So one of the guys that's helping lead the way in the early church um, right after Jesus went back to heaven. And he says this, now to the unmarried and the widows. How many in the room are the unmarried? Show of hands. Yeah, that should be every 6th, 7th, and 8th grader in the room. All of you should be unmarried. If you're not, come see me. I need to talk to you. <laughs> so to the unmarried and the widows, that should be every middle schooler in here, you're unmarried. It is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. Paul was never married. I don't know if you realize that. Most of the disciples were never married. And so Paul's saying, hey, if you're unmarried, it's good for you to stay unmarried as I do. And then he says in verse 9, but if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. So is it okay to marry? Sure, absolutely. God created marriage. We've been talking about that three weeks. But everybody just expects they're going to get married. Like, that's going to be me. I'm going to get married. Some people, it's okay to not get married. Like, you don't have to get married. You haven't failed at life if you don't get married. God didn't create you to be married. Did you know that? That's not your purpose. That's not your point as a person. So I'm only throwing that out there to say that if for some reason down the road, whatever road God leads you down, if at the end of it you don't get married, you're okay. All right? Now, if God does lead you to marriage, guess what? That's awesome. Great. Hopefully all the things we've been talking about the past three weeks are going to help you in that. So that's one expectation I want to address kind of right out of the gate, right? The expectation that I will get married. Odds are most of you probably will, but it's okay if you don't, okay? I just want to throw that out there. Now that we've moved past that expectation, um, whether you're getting married or you're not, eventually, later down the road, not in middle school, don't get married in middle school, um, there's something that's true for everybody, okay? This is true for you, it's true for me, it's true for every leader in here, it's true for every parent in here, it's true for everybody outside of this building. And this is this thing that Jesus is calling us to in Mark chapter 12, okay? Check this out. It's called the Great Commandment. Why is it called the Great Commandment? Anybody wanna take a guess? Great. 
Because it's the greatest commandment, all right? It's the best thing that you could possibly do. We've talked about it multiple times in here at Revolution, okay? So this is Jesus giving us the key to life right now, okay? You ready? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. Number one. Number two, the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no command greater than these. Now this fits in perfectly with what we talked about two weeks ago from Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21 where it says, Submit to one another out of your reverence for Christ. So out of your respect, out of your love, out of your relationship for Jesus, you submit to each other. What was the order of the great commandment? Love who? God. And then love who? Others and yourself, right? So who's first in that equation? God. Okay, and then in Ephesians 5, when we're talking about relationships and marriage, we're meant to submit to one another because of our love and relationship for God. So these fit together. They make sense. If we're going to actually be a good husband or wife later down the road, a good boyfriend or girlfriend later on in high school, then we've got to get this relationship with God, this love for him at the forefront of who we are. You with me so far? You can give me a head nod. Yes, yes, awesome, fantastic. Let's keep going. Okay, so our commitment to Jesus is the most important relationship in our life for the rest of our lives. You know how at a wedding service, wedding ceremony, you know, you get to the part where it's like, I take you for better or for worse for the rest of our lives until death do us part, that whole thing. Guess who we're, who we're meant to do that for beyond just death and for the rest of our lives before we ever say that to any other person? God. That's what he's asking of us. And it's our relationship with Jesus that will determine the quality of our relationships with other people, including our future husband or our wife. Do you get that? Like, our ability to be a good husband or wife is determined by our relationship with Jesus. Because when you know Jesus, you know God. And when you know God, 1 John says you know love. Because God is love. So how can you have a marriage full of love? You have a marriage full of Jesus. How do you have a heart full of love? You have a heart full of Jesus. You get where I'm going here? Is this making sense? So, the reason this is the case is your relationship with whoever it is that you date and whoever it is that you marry, the expectations on that are either going to be realistic or unrealistic. Now, if you have a relationship with Jesus, then they're going to be more realistic. Because we're getting what we really need from God first when we have a relationship with him. He's fulfilling the deepest parts of who we are as people. How was that the case? Who made us? God. So who knows what we need? God. Do you think God knows more what we need than somebody that you've been dating for six months? Okay, what about somebody you've been married to for 60 years? God or the person you married? 
God, it's still God. It's still God. Like it never changes. And so if your expectation on a relationship is knowing, okay, God knows me more than anyone knows me. He loves me more than anyone loves me. He made me. He is love. So for me to have a good relationship with him and that relationship to be above every other relationship, the most important relationship I've got in my entire life, if that's the case, where are you getting your identity and your love and your hope from? God, you're not trying to get it from whoever you're dating or whoever you're married to. Now, let's just say you don't have God as the number one relationship in your life. He's not the priority in your life. He's not the thing that you look to. He's not the person you look to first. He's not the one you depend on. Who are you going to default to to depend on then? Odds are, if you're in a serious relationship, it's going to be that person. You're going to look to your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You're going to look to your husband or your wife. Are they going to meet those needs? Are they going to meet those expectations of filling the void in your heart of this love and this hope? They never will. Will they try? Absolutely they'll try. When you date someone, when you marry someone, they want to try to make you happy. But they are never going to succeed in the long run. It's just never going to work. They're not good enough. I'm not good enough. You're not good enough. It's just not going to happen. But if you depend on God for that, God will never fail in that. He will always meet that need. He will always be able to live up to what he has promised, which is that he's love and that he's gonna be there for you always. All right, so let me read you a few verses, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. It says, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Who's gonna give you everything you need? God. There was no mention there. Did anybody see? Maybe I missed it. I I didn't put my glasses on. Is it possible that I missed your boyfriend or girlfriend will will fulfill all of your needs? Did it say that anywhere? No? What about your boo? Will your boo fulfill all your... Your bae? Well, well, give me another name. Your what? What's BBY? Oh, baby. So why say BBY instead of just saying baby? Because there's only one letter missing there. Just curious. I'm just curious. You just said God is your baby. I'm going to let that sit. I'm just going to let that sit. <laughs> so we're all on the same page, right? Like that verse didn't say anything about BBY or bay or boo or honey or sweetie or whatever you want to, whatever pet name you want to put in there. It didn't say anything about that. I didn't read that verse and see my wife's name, which is April, which is also the month I was born in. Coincidence? I didn't see that in there. It doesn't say, and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, April will give you all that you need. It doesn't say that. It's saying God will give me everything I need. Okay, that's great. Well, let's look at Philippians 4. Um, verse 19. It says, and God will meet 
all of your needs. That one's pretty straightforward. Like, there's no way to misread that. And God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. How, many, how much glory do you think is in Christ Jesus, God's son who was perfect, who died and rose again? How much glory do you think is in that? Yeah, like a lot. Put a number on it. Infinite. That's a good number. It's a good a Googleplex. Now you're getting crazy. Okay, so, so if God will meet your needs according to the glory of Jesus, we're not going to run out of what we need. Would you agree with me? Because there's no running out of God's glory. There's no running out of the glory of who Jesus is because of who he is, because of what he's done. So you don't ever have to worry in a relationship with God, in knowing Jesus, if you're ever going to run out of love, if you're ever going to run out of him accepting you, if you're ever going to run out of anything with him, you never have to worry about him running out. God's not going to break up with you. Jesus isn't going to send you a text and say, you know what, I just saw what you did, we're done. He's not going to do that to you. Another verse, and I'm paraphrasing here, is talking about the height and the depth of God's love and how there's nothing that can separate us from it. Nothing you do can separate you from God's love. He will always love you. Do you know how trippy that is? Do you know how counterintuitive that is? Because does that work for anybody else? At some point in our relationships with people here on planet Earth, even parents... The love can be tested. Now, I'm not saying parents will drop you like a bad habit if you do something wrong. But what I am saying is you could do something so bad that it could strain the relationship so much that you could question the love there. Now, could the love still be there? Possibly, yeah. But then again, I don't know. But it doesn't matter what you do ever. And God will still love you. Jesus will still say, I love you. I'm still going to die for you. I'm still going to raise from the dead again for you. And I'm still going to call you to myself and, and wrap my arms around you and call my son, my daughter. I, that's, I'm still doing that. No matter what you do, I will always do that. And so God will supply your needs. He will fulfill you. And he will never let you down. Never. So when we love God and, and we do this with everything we are, then we can love others, including whoever we choose to date and to marry. So getting this relationship right really does help us to have the best relationship going forward with whoever it is we have a relationship with. You can trust in the things that you learn and you get from this relationship with Jesus. And that relationship is only going to help your other relationships. It's only going to enable them to be more healthy, to have realistic expectations, and to actually function the way they're meant to function. And so you could hear all that, and you could be like, okay, cool. You're saying a lot about God's love, and you're saying, like, that relationship will help my relationships later. And that makes sense, I guess, in a way. And I want to believe that stuff, but I guess my question for you is, why, 
why would I do that? Like, why would I love God other than just to have better relationships? Is, is that the reason I need to love God is just because it'll help my other relationships be better? Because that sounds kind of selfish. That does kind of sound selfish, but here's, here's ultimately why we love God. Other than because he asked us to, this is why. First John chapter four nineteen it says, we love because he first loved us. Before you ever even thought about God, he loved you. If you've even rejected God, and there's some of you in here who have probably done that. You've said, you know what, that God thing sounds cool, but I don't believe in that. I don't believe in him, or I don't really accept that he actually loves me. That sounds too good to be true. The thing is, is that he loves you in spite of all that stuff. And he loves you in spite of all that stuff. And he loved you before you even thought that stuff. And he'll love you after you think that stuff. And he'll keep loving you because he loves us first. He doesn't love you because you love him. Have you ever been at school or, or had, had somebody in your life that you either found out that they liked you and then you're like, oh, they like me. And you had never thought of it, about them like that, like you liked them. And so then you're like, oh, I guess I like them too. But you only like them because you know they like you. Or maybe it was the other way around. Like you like them and they, they really hadn't paid you much attention, but once they found out you liked them, then they paid you attention, and then they liked you. God doesn't work that way. God loves you, period. He's not waiting on you to love him back in order to love you. That is, he want you to love him? Uh, he absolutely wants you to love him, because that's where you're going to find life. That's where you're going to discover who you are as a person, so yes, he wants you to love him, but he doesn't need you to love him in order for him to love you. He loves you anyway, because he loved you first. And so before we commit our hearts to anyone else, why in the world wouldn't we commit our heart to Jesus first and foremost, like above anyone else? I heard this professor when I was going through college um, Christian school, I was learning to be a pastor. What does that mean? You know, what's the Bible about? How do you, how do, you do this thing? And one of the classes um, I was in, he was teaching, and his name was Dr. Towns. And he said, so let me tell you the story of when I proposed to my wife. And the guy had been married for a long, long time. And so we're like, okay, sweet. We're going to get some, some knowledge. He's about to drop it on us, right? So we're already taking notes. He's like, so I started with, sweetie, I want to ask you to marry me, but I want you to know before I ask that you'll always be number two. And we all looked at each other. We're like, what? This is a horrible proposal. Like, we need to help him. I think we could tell him how to have a good relationship here. But he kept going. He's like, so here's what I meant by that. Like, I explained it to her. She's always going to be number two because I will always love Jesus more than her because I can't love her well unless I love Jesus first. And so I'm going to always have Jesus above you, but I will always have you right next in line. No one else will be above you other than him. And I wonder how many of us have thought about that differently. We've thought maybe, hey, once I get 
into a serious relationship, right? Or I eventually get married, like they are my number one priority, they are my life. Do you see how, from what we talked about tonight, how that can be very messed up and how that can really mess you up and mess them up? Not because marriage is a bad thing, not because relationships are a bad thing, but because the expectation of them is not realistic. A spouse or a boyfriend or girlfriend being your life will always let you down. Because they're a person and they're messed up just like we are. They got issues just like we do. They're imperfect. They're going to let you down. But if you have God always, if you have Jesus at the top always, he's always your number one, your first love, the one you've committed your heart to first and always. And then you get into a relationship with someone else. How much better is that relationship going to work? How much more sense does that actually make? When you think about who Jesus actually is, and then you relay that to who you are, and you relay that to who this person is you're in a relationship with. And so the challenge to us is the same one that God gives us. Jesus gives us in Mark 12 that we read at the very beginning, right? He says, love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, strength. Love me with everything you've got. Put me above everybody else. But then after that, then it's love your neighbor as yourself. So yeah, then it's love other people. If you do get married, then it's, yeah, love your your spouse. But we can only really do that if we get the first part right, which is love him. And so the name that God gives himself, the first time we see him name himself is in the Old Testament, and he calls himself I am. Have y'all heard this name before? It's a name that is kind of like boggles the mind when you really stop and think about it because you feel like it should say something after it. Like, I am God? Like, I am Lord? I am awesome? Like, what, what's your name? I'm Bob? I, I mean, what? Give me some. No, it's just I am. And there's so many meanings wrapped up in that, and we could spend all night on that, but we're not going to. So this I am is his name that he gives himself. And so what I want to ask you to do tonight is commit to I am, to God, above anybody else, before you get in any serious relationship, before you walk down the aisle and say I do, however many years from now that is, I want you to remember now as the time where you committed to Jesus over everyone else. And I'm not necessarily talking about being saved, accepting Jesus as your savior for the first time. I'm talking about putting his, his, who he is and your relationship with him above every relationship from now on. And so what I'm asking you to do is to make that commitment. I don't know if you saw on my hand, I wrote I am on my hand. So this could happen in your small group. This could happen later on at home. This could happen later this week. But I'm asking you to write I am on your hand. Put it over your heart. Like when you say the pledge kind of a thing. And then take a selfie with it. Then I'm asking you to post it. If you have a social media site, then you can post it on yours. If you don't, then maybe a friend's. Or if all that fails, then you have small group leaders that have social media. Have somebody post it 
as a statement to God and to everybody else that I am giving, I am, my heart. Because I am committed to me, so I am committing to him. You don't, you don't have to use a hashtag. You can just say whatever you want in the post. But this is the statement, this picture. Putting I am's name over your heart, as well as saying I am giving God my heart. And so by doing this, I want you to get what you're saying, okay? You're saying, I am putting God above every relationship in my life going forward. And by putting it out there on social media, you're letting people in on the fact that you've done this. And so people can keep you accountable to it because it can get tempting to put a boyfriend or a girlfriend above God later on in life. Or maybe even now, if you're dating now. But hopefully through some of the stuff we've talked about through this series and specifically tonight, you've seen how that can be messed up and can mess you up. And so at some point, I'm asking you, because God's asking all of us to make this commitment to put him above everything else, every other relationship in our life. Because that's going to make for the best relationships possible. Because the one with him will never let us down. It'll fulfill every need. It'll help us to have realistic expectations on relationships going forward. So let me pray for you. And then sit for just a second. I'm going to give you some announcements and we're going to head out to groups. Okay, God, thank you so much for who you are that you offer yourself to us, that we can actually have a relationship with you is, is unbelievable, God. It's, it's, it's something that just blows our minds that we can know the creator of the universe as well as the creator of us. That we can talk to you at any point of any day, that you listen to us, God, that you speak back to us. So God, I pray for all these students, all these leaders, everyone in this room that we would put our relationship with you above every other relationship and that from knowing Jesus, we would be able to truly love the other people in our life. God, we love you and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.